all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. We talked last week about some GI issues and focused a lot on reflux, and we had such a great discussion, we didn't get to all the other stuff in the GI world. And so today, I figured we would finish up that topic um, and talk some other issues when we think about GI complaints, Um, some of the things that not a lot of people want to talk about out loud. So I figured I could talk to you a little bit, and if you needed any questions, you can always give us a call, or you can always send an email as well to kids at MP. PBonline.org. And so, like I said, we had such a good discussion last week that I thought we could pick up where we left off and kind of do a part two um, so that we could uh, finish talking about that. Now, there's a lot of other issues in the GI world that people complain about um, when they come to the doctor, but a lot of times people are a little hesitant to bring it up. They don't worry about it as much when they're talking about their kids, but, you know, as adults and for yourself, you don't necessarily always want to talk about it or bring it up. And so I figured we could hit on some of those. So some of the things that I was looking forward to talking to today is going to be like constipation, diarrhea, um, when you have blood in your stool, what does that mean? Um, All of that kind of stuff that a lot of people have tons of questions about, but you may be a little hesitant to actually bring it up. Um, And you know, if this is your child having it, of course, you're going to get them checked out. But you would be surprised that a lot of times adults... um, will have blood in their stool for a long time and not tell anybody about it. And so so just wanted to talk a little bit about that and when you should be concerned and what you can do at home. Um, so we'll start with constipation because this is another thing. You know, we talked about reflux affects our babies all the way through adulthood. Um, constipation is another one of those things. And for a lot of babies, it starts right away. Um, and so when should you be worried? about constipation for both our kids and adults. So we'll start with little babies first. Um, And so the thing to know about babies is when they're in the mom's belly and when they're in utero, their intestines aren't really working much. Um, They're starting to, but they're not doing a lot because they're getting all of their nutrition through the placenta. Um, So therefore, it's not like their intestines are really like doing a lot. Um, 
sometimes they're not really supposed to, but if the baby is under a lot of stress, they may have a little bit of meconium in the amniotic fluid. Um, But typically, the baby's not going to have their first stool until they're born. And it's that dark meconium stuff. You know, if you've had a, if you can remember back to having a little baby or maybe you've had one recently, um, you know, it's that yucky, tarry black stuff. Um, And every baby should pass that at some point because that's the first little bit that they, their stools when their intestines really first start having to wake up and they're having to actually move things along. Um, If a baby doesn't pass the meconium, we do worry a little bit about that um, because there could be a number of different issues that are going on. Uh, There could be things from... um, We think about intestinal things, uh, particularly some kind of blockage, or maybe is there something, um, there is a condition called Hirschsprung's where they're missing part of the nerves that innervate the lower part of their colon, and that prevents them from passing the meconium. Um, There's actually like cystic fibrosis that can actually cause problems with passing the meconium. we rarely see any of these issues because a lot of these conditions that cause it are not very common. Um, but those are some things to be concerned about. And so most of the time, the hospital is probably not going to let your baby go home if they have not passed the meconium. Um, so most of these issues will be dealt with at home. Once your baby passes meconium and they're starting to eat, then you really still could have a lot of problems with gas and with constipation. And a lot of it has to do with just how immature their gut is. And so it takes time and you have to be patient. It will get better. Um, it can be very frustrating, though, as a, if, especially if it's your first baby and you haven't experienced this before. Um, or maybe this is your first grandchild and you're helping try to talk your family members through that. Uh, you know, you're sleep deprived, you're stressed. It can be just a really difficult time. And um, a lot of new parents tend to focus a lot on the bowel movements of a baby. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is, but it is just one of those things that just really stresses new parents out. So I always try to reassure everybody that this is totally normal for little babies. A lot of babies are constipated when, they, when they're first born. Um, and there's a difference between, and I say constipation, and I, I need to put that in air quotes, because really babies don't have to have a bowel movement every single day. Um, some babies go every day, some go every other day, some go seven times a day. Um, it just depends. Everybody's baby is different. Um, Just like as adults, you know, you listen and you may not be one that has a bowel movement every day and that's okay. Um, But what we consider constipation is if you're not going and the stool is really hard too. So that's when that's when it comes tricky kind of with little newborn babies. So they may not go every single day. That's okay. But it's say they don't go and they're also having hard stools and that would be considered constipation. Um, But a lot of this will get better with time. So like I said, their intestines aren't working while they're in the belly, in mama's belly. Um, So it just takes a little bit of time for everything to wake up. Um, It takes a lot, a little bit of time for everything to start maturing a little bit. So, you know, little babies, when they're first born, they're just real, you know, they're sleepy. 
their guts are still sleepy. Um, their muscles aren't very strong. They're real floppy. This is the same thing. You know, the intestines have muscles in them. They've got to, the muscles have to contract to wake up and to move everything along. So just a lot of things kind of against them, and it takes a little bit for that to work out. And so that's why a lot of times you'll see the little babies um, that can be really gassy and really fussy um, associated with their bowel movements. But if you give it a little bit of time, it will usually work its way out. Um, after, you know, two to three weeks, if they're still struggling, that may be when if mom is breastfeeding, we may want to change a few things in mom's diet um, or, or just kind of be a little more mindful of that. Sometimes we do end up having to change their formula um, if they are formula fed and not breastfeeding. And there's different things that we can do to help with that. So pretty much every formula is based off of the milk protein. Um, but you can get different types of formula that have a little that protein broken down a little bit further. And so that may be, um, you know, an option for you. And typically why that helps with the gas and the fussiness and the constipation is it just takes a little bit of work off the, the gut and the intestines because they don't have to work so hard to break the protein down. And so the babies typically tolerate that a little bit better. And so that's why a lot of times we'll tell mom to be a little more mindful of, you know, what what she's eating, maybe watch dairy a little bit, um, because typically that can help help some just because their little guts and intestines don't have to work as hard. And again, most babies, you know, this, I wouldn't call that a true milk protein um, allergy, just because they're a little more sensitive to dairy. Uh, we just call that like an intolerance. And most babies are going to be just fine. And after, usually by six months, they're Pretty much that's kind of gone um, so that when you're starting to introduce table foods, uh, you can introduce things with dairy and they'll do just fine. So this is usually just kind of like in that early newborn period that you really have to watch for that. Um, if your baby is having some trouble with constipation, uh, like, you know, we've talked about all the stuff. You've given it a little bit of time, but they're still having really hard stools. They're still really fussy and they look really uncomfortable. Um, and then sometimes their little bellies will swell up. Um, what I do for little bitty babies, especially under three months of age, I typically just use like a little suppository to help relieve that. Most of the time, all babies need is a little rectal stimulation, and that will get their bowels moving. So you don't have to worry about getting medicines or putting anything in their bottles or doing anything like that. Just get like a little glycerin suppository. Now, they don't need a full glycerin suppository, just like you could get one and, and um break it in half, um, but just a little bit just to kind of help them go. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing that every day. That's something that you want to do just as needed, maybe once, twice a week at most. Um, and if you're having to do it a lot, then you want to make sure you talk to your doctor about that. But that's going to be the safest option for our little bitty babies. Once they hit three months and they're a little bit older, it's fine to give them a little juice, a little fruit juice if you wanted to. So apple juice, prune juice, um, whatever you may like uh, that seems, seems to work better for your little babies. So, um, and it doesn't take much, you know, just two or three ounces is really all you need. I have a lot of parents who will ask me, well, do I need to water it down? Uh, because that's what everybody thinks of when they think of giving juice to their babies. They need to water it down for the sugar. But actually, the whole point of giving them the juice is because it has the sugars in there that they can't really digest as well. And that's what causes them to have loosen up the stools and to actually go to the bathroom. So you don't really want to water down the juice if the whole reason you're giving it is to help treat their constipation. So 
just you're only giving them, you know, two, maybe three ounces at the most. Um, so it's it's not like it's getting a ton of sugar for them. It's just a couple of ounces and it'll just get things moving along and it should should help. Um, after they get, if that still doesn't work and they're, you know, at least three or four months old, you may want to talk to the doctor um, about giving medicine um, if that's still not working. Um, for most babies, Miralax and Milk of Mag are going to be okay for them to take. Um, but you want to make sure that you talk to your doctor before you do that. And they can talk to you about the right dose and how often you can give it. Um, but for most babies, it's going to be okay for them to take a little bit of that. But your doctor can give you some guidance for that. So, so that's little bitty babies talking about that. And now we'll, we can talk a little bit about kids and teens, and then we'll talk about adults as well and, and when you should worry. Um, because uh, again, this is a, a big common thing that we see. And um, a lot of people try to brush it off, but there are some reasons you should get concerned. Um, so before the break, we talked a lot about little bitty babies with constipation. Um, and so I'll just do a quick recap in case you're just tuning in. But um, little babies, it's pretty common for them to have a little constipation just with their gut waking up and starting to mature a little bit. Um, for newborn little bitty babies, uh, we would recommend just doing a little glycerin suppository, maybe just like half of one, just to help things start waking up a little bit. Once you hit about three to four months, it's okay to give a little fruit juice like apple juice or prune juice um, to wake things up a little bit. Usually just two to four ounces is all you need. Um, and then once you get a little bit older, after four to six months of age, you can do like a little Miralax or milk of magnesium. Um, but you want to make sure you talk to your doctor so that they can come up with a good plan for what your dose should be and how often you should get it. So, And again, constipation is not... Um, you know, not everybody has to go every single day. It's more of if you don't go to the bathroom every day and your stools are hard or you're very uncomfortable, um, those kind of things. If it's causing pain, then that's definitely going to be constipation. But there are some people that go every one to two days and they have a soft bowel movement and they don't have any problems. And that's just how their body works, that they don't have to have a bowel movement every day. So just wanted to make sure I, I threw that in there because a lot of people worry that just because they're not having a bowel movement every day um, that they're constipated. But if they're having soft stools, it's okay. So nothing to worry about. Um, so let's focus a little bit on our older kids. So kind of the same thing starting after six months of age. If you are getting a little constipated, my first go-to is Miralax um, because it is just something that's really easy and gentle on the stomach. Um, it is what we call an osmotic laxative. So it's not one, it, it just helps your stools hold more water, which softens them up, loosens them up, and helps things move along. It's not going to make your stomach cramp. Um, it's not going to make you feel like you have to run to the bathroom. So that's really nice for our, our kids, um, especially if you're in school. You don't want them having to run to and from the bathroom, from the classroom. Um, so Miralax is going to be my choice. The other nice thing about Miralax is um, Miralax is a powder. And so what you can do is you can mix that powder in with whatever they're drinking. You can, um, if they're still drinking bottles, you can put it in a bottle, water, milk, juice, whatever you want to mix it in. And it mixes really well. And most of the time they can't taste it. Um, it even if you have to do a decent amount, like a full cap full of it, 
um, a lot of times you're not going to be able to taste it. It really doesn't make it gritty or anything like that. So it's easier to get your kids to take it. Now, Milk and Mag, on the other hand, um, is a little bit more of a stimulant laxative. And so it's definitely going to get you going, but it may make you run to the bathroom a little bit um, quicker than Miralax would. Um, sometimes you can have cramps, and then most of all, it's nasty. <laughs> uh, it does not taste good, and so it's hard to hide that from a kid. Um, so Miralax is usually my go-to in kids and adults as well because it's just a, a gentle laxative. Um, it doesn't taste nasty, and it, it makes things get to going. So... Um, our problem with kids in constipation is because most of the time our young, and this is for like um, young kids, toddlers, all the way up, honestly, through high school, really. Um, and I guess you could say this is probably the issue for some adults, too. But part of the reason kids at this age get constipated is because they just don't want to stop and go to the bathroom. Um, and so that could be because they don't want to... Um, quit playing. Maybe they're outside playing and they don't want to have to come inside and go. Um, and then they just, once they hold it for so long, then they kind of lose that feeling and sensation of they have to go to the bathroom. Um, a lot of the things that we see in our older, and that's usually for more toddlers, um, a lot of the times we see in our older kids, teenagers, and even some adults is people don't like to use the bathroom in public, um, or maybe you don't want to use it at school, so maybe you don't want to use it at work, whatever your, your situation is. But for some reason, a lot of people are just really hesitant about having a bowel movement in public places. Um, and when that happens, it's the same thing as little kids. So like just like our toddlers don't want to stop playing, um, they hold it long enough that they kind of lose that sensation that they have to go to the bathroom. Well, that happens with our teenagers who don't want to go at school. It happens with our adults who don't want to go at work. Um, and then it just creates a vicious cycle. So you just get further and further backed up. Um, so you really need to try to encourage your kids, try to encourage yourself if you're one of these adults that's listening and you don't like to go to the bathroom in public places, um, that it's okay, that, you know, it's something that everybody does. Um, and it's, you know, if you don't go to the bathroom when you have to, you could cause problems because if you hold it for too long, then that's when we start having issues. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those issues that we see. Um, you may have a home remedy that you have found to be really helpful for yourself or for little ones. And if you do, give us a call. I would love to hear from you. All right. So what are some of the problems that we see? Um, and this can kind of go uh, one of the biggest problems. I feel like I'll talk about this one first, because um, we see this actually a fair amount um, in our toddlers all the way up through sometimes even teenagers. So, you know, I was saying if you hold it too long, um, you lose that sensation that you actually have to go to the bathroom. So this is kind of gross, but, you know, like I said, it's, it's part of who we are as humans. <laughs> um, but as your body is in, intestines are digesting everything and they make the stool, when the stool hits the bottom of your colon or your rectum, it stretches out. And that's what gives you that sensation, those nerve endings fire, and it triggers your brain and tells you, hey, you need to go to the bathroom and you need to empty your colon. Um, now, if it sits there for too long and you hold it for too long, 
then it just kind of stays stretched out. And then you lose that sensation. You lose that nerves telling your brain that you need to go to the bathroom because it's just stretched out and you got a big old blob of stool there in the bottom of your rectum. So it tends to happen with our kids a lot of times. We'll see parents come in for diarrhea or they're having accidents at school. I'll, um, you know, I'll find them when they come home from school and I'm washing their clothes. I see um, stool in their underwear and they're not telling me that they're having to go to the bathroom. And so they start worrying about that. Are they having accidents? What's making them have, you know, this um, bowel incontinence where they can't control it anymore? And a lot of times what we'll do is when we push on the belly, you can actually feel the stool in there because they're so backed up. Or we'll get an x-ray and you can see that their um, poor little intestines are just full of stool. And they've been holding it for so long that they, you know, like I said, it, you've lost that sensation to go to the bathroom and you have that big old hard stool there that sometimes the other bit of stool will actually just kind of like leak around. And I know that sounds really gross, um, but it will just kind of leak around that big old blob at the bottom of your colon. And so then you'll have accidents. It'll, you know, they'll seem like they're having diarrhea and it can cause a lot of problems. And sometimes we have kids, I mean, not sometimes, I mean, this happens probably multiple times a week in the hospital. I, I don't do any inpatient pediatrics anymore, but when I was a resident, I mean, we had at least probably one a day where we would have to admit a kid to the hospital to do a full what we call bowel clean out, um, just to kind of clean everything out um, so that they could get regulated again. And so that's why it's so important to stress to your kids that if you have to go to the bathroom, go on and go, because we see this happen all the times where kids get so backed up that it starts causing other problems. Um, some of the other complications that you can get with constipation, and this is just not for kids. This is um, little babies. This is adults as well. Um, if it gets really hard and backed up, you can get little tears, um, what we call little fissures, and that may cause them to bleed a little bit. You may notice a little bit of blood in their stool or blood when you wipe. Um, you can get hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids can be very painful, but they can also not be painful. It depends on where they're located. Um, and so it may be a little scary when you wipe and you see that there's a little bit of blood. So, you know, if you're a little, if your child is having some of these issues, these are all potential complications that can be happening. Um, and so you want to make sure you're trying to stay on top of it. Um, we see we see fissures, we see hemorrhoids in adults as well, um, and like I said, that can be one of the first signs is having a little bit of blood in the stool. So typically, um, if it's really painful, then we know that it's probably a fissure or a hemorrhoid, and that's what's causing the blood. And um, like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about blood in the stool and when you should worry. Okay, so we've talked a lot about kind of the backstory behind constipation and all the problems that we see and why it's so important to stay on top of it. Um, so how can you stay on top of it? So first thing, drink plenty of water. I can't stress that enough. I know we talk about that all the time. Drink water, drink water, drink water. It helps prevent headaches. It helps prevent dehydration. Um, it helps prevent constipation. It helps you sleep better. There's just so many things that water can do. So, but really you have to drink plenty of water in order um, to prevent constipation. Have plenty of fiber in your diet too. That's another thing. Um, so a lot of kids don't eat a lot of fiber um, just because they're picky, especially our toddlers. And so you really want to try to find different sources for them to, to get that extra fiber in. 
Um, if you're a, a you know a picky teenager, picky adult, and you're not getting, there's plenty of fiber supplements out there that you can do. Um, they they have them in bars, they have them in pills. There's Metamucil powder. I mean, there's all kinds of options out there for you that you can do. However, you need to get your fiber in, get it in. But if you're taking fiber pills, if you're even eating fiber. Um, bars or whatever you're doing, you know, to get the fiber in. If you're not drinking the water, then it's just really just bulking your stool. And actually, it can make you have more complications and more cramping and more gas and bloating. So that's why it's so important to get the fiber in. But you also have to make sure that you're drinking plenty of water too to help help that. Um, when it comes to st- um, stool softeners can be really helpful too, but the stool softener is not actually going to make you go to the bathroom. Um, it's just going to loosen up the stool and make it a little bit softer, hence the name, um, so that it makes it easier to pass. Um, and then you have other laxatives like the osmotic laxatives, like I mentioned with Miralax and magnesium citrate. Um, there are stimulant laxatives like um, Senna or Pericolase that are actually going to make the intestines start moving and um, triggering contractions to actually move all that stool along too. So those are all options out there for you. Um, And there are different benefits to each kind. So if you're having issues with it, you can talk to your doctor about which one works best for you. Um, But like I said, um, Miralax tends to be my favorite. Uh, because it is the powder. It's easy to mix. You can titrate it yourself. You take the top off. There's a little um, line around the top, and you can fill it up to the top. We call that a cap full. Um, Some people may need a full cap a day. Some people may need two caps a day. Some may only need half a cap a day. And that's the nice thing about Miralax is you can kind of titrate it yourself. Um, But if not, if that doesn't work for you, like I said, you can get the 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 Dolcolax, the Senna, the Pericolase, all of that stuff over the, over the counter that are those stimulant ones that will definitely get you going. Um, but it may have some of the side effects with cramping and having to run to the bathroom and such. So, um, we do have a caller, so we will go real quick to Dan, who's in Canton. Good morning. What's going on? Good morning. Uh, just eating a little lunch and listening to the show, and um, I'm just uh, proud that you're addressing this issue that a lot of people have uh, issues with addressing and uh, <clears throat> just wanted to pass on a little thing uh, that when I had the uh, opportunity to be taught physiology by Dr. Arthur Guyton uh, who taught uh, anatomy and physiology and he wrote the book for all the medical schools and when we got to uh, the GI section one of the comments that he made was that, um, you know, just as you said, you know, don't be ashamed of this. This is something that everybody does, and there are complications that can arise. But what he said to do was when the defecation reflex, when you know that uh, you're going to, you get that sensation that you have to go, then you need to address it and you don't put it off. And like you say, little kids will put that off because they're playing, and a lot of times adults will put that off because they're in a, um, not necessarily a social situation, but like you said, at work or um, in the mall or wherever they are, and they don't want to to go into that situation and tend to it. And when you don't, you know, uh, problems, as he said, problems occur. Uh, his, his thing was, I get up in the morning, people, and I have my coffee, and I walk around a few steps, and I get the defecation reflex, and I go answer. 
And I advise everybody to tell their patients, you know, whenever you get the reflex, don't be ashamed. Uh, just go and do it, and it will help to keep you regular and avoid this pattern that you're talking about. And and one more thing I would say that if these situations happen with adults and they have children around and they're um, in an environment where the adult is hesitant to to go ahead and go to the bathroom, that sends a signal to the child as well. And they, you know, they, they sometimes will just pick up on that and, and they'll start to where whenever they're in a situation and somewhat compromised, they're going to say, oh, no, no, I, I don't have to go. And you know they do. So, I mean, just be careful. But, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, other people are, especially the young ones, are noticing that as well. And it has a trickle-down effect there. But, uh, like I say, I'm just glad you're addressing this. Uh, and um, uh, enjoy the show. And I'm going to just leave it, leave it with you all. Yeah, thanks for calling um, and sharing that with us. Yeah, you're exactly right. Kids are always watching, as we always say. So um, if you can model that good behavior for them and show them, you know, that you have to go to the bathroom and it's okay to go to the bathroom in public, um, then that's great because hopefully they'll pick up on that because they they are always watching us. So um, thanks for calling and sharing that. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We are talking today and finishing up our GI discussion, and we've been talking a lot about constipation, but we're here to answer any questions or um, listen to any comments that you may have, like sharing some of your home remedies for it. Uh, you can always send us an email as well to kids at mpbonline.org. Uh, we have another caller, so we will go to Carolyn. Good morning, Carolyn. What's going on? Oh, not much. I just have a, 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 a one or two questions. Um, laxatives. If you take, like, too much milk or magnesia or something, can it um, compromise your immune system? Like, can you catch a cold if you take too, if, you know, if you dish your bowels out too much? Yeah. Um, not necessarily compromise your immune system, but um, what we do see a lot of times is electrolyte problems. Um, so if you give yourself too many laxatives and you go to the bathroom too much, number one, it can make you just uncomfortable in general. A lot of people get a lot of cramps um, and abdominal pain. But then along with the looser stools, you can also get uh, a lot of electrolyte abnormalities. So we'll see people come in with low potassium, low sodiums. Um, if it gets too much, sometimes I have seen it actually affect people's kidneys as well. Um, so you really have to be careful with that because we do see that actually happen a fair amount um, with electrolyte problems. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to ask, uh, what does it mean if you see oil in your stool? Like if you you pass your stool and it's really oily, mm-hmm. looking like, like there's oil in the stool, yeah. what does A lot of times that means there's some kind of malabsorption going on. Um, So if you're having those issues, then you need to go see somebody because they probably need to. There's some tests that we can run on the stool to see what's going on. Um, Or you may actually even need to have a colonoscopy or scope to get some biopsies of what's going on in your bowels. Um, But a lot of times that usually can be a sign of malabsorption. And that, you know, it. 
Sometimes that happens, like after you've had an illness, um, you know, it irritates the lining of your colon and intestines. And so it may just be a temporary thing and you may not, it it probably will go away on its own. Um, But, or it could be something that you ate that your body just didn't digest very well. But if it's something that you see that's continuing to happen, um, I would recommend going to your doctor so you could get your stools tested and potentially even need to get a colonoscopy. Okay, well, thank you so much, and happy holidays. Yeah, thank you. You too. Um, We'll go next to Deborah. Good morning, Deborah. What's going on? Good morning. How are you today? Good. Thanks for calling. Great. I um, one of them I came across. This is for constipation. I came across after I had my chemotherapy, and I was having severe um, pains in my legs from neuropathy, and I was doing a lot of research on home remedies. And it said that magnesium helps your nerves to grow back and gets rid of the neuropathy. And so I was doing that. And um, I think the brand that I used was Commies that you can get at the uh, grocery store, at, at the health food store. So one day I was in a hurry, and it says take a teaspoon of it. And I just grabbed a spoon out of the door, and it turned out to be a tablespoon, and I was in the bathroom the rest of the day. So you take too much magnesium. You're going to get diarrhea. <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, I feel like magnesium is kind of like the big craze these days. Everybody's taking magnesium for, like, everything. And there really are some great benefits to it. Um, it does help people with sleep. It helps people with muscle cramps, um, headaches. It can be really helpful sometimes for people with headaches. But you always run the risk, and you got to be careful with that because, yes, there, that is what milk and magnesia is. Um, so you do have to be careful with taking magnesium supplements. You're exactly right. Um, it will keep you in the bathroom if you take too much. <laughs> but the good news is, is it cured my neuropathy from the chemotherapy. Oh, really? So I was, I was blessed. So from that. Yeah, that's so, awesome. My other one is if you take a cup of warm water, as warm as you can drink it, and then add a quarter teaspoon of um, Himalayan salt and about a tablespoon of honey and a whole juiced lime and a tablespoon of flax seeds and mix it up really good, and that's going to take care of business. Huh. Okay. I have not heard of that. I mean, the flaxseed, yeah, I've seen that. People use that a lot. But um, the Himalayan salt and lime and honey, those are the other three you said? Correct. Okay. Right, the, the salt is going to give you back your minerals that you're missing. Mm-hmm. The honey makes it taste a little bit better because it's so tart from the lime. And then the flaxseed just swells once it, it um, absorbs that water and that fiber helps you go. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I haven't, I, like I said, the flaxseed I knew, but all the other stuff, I like that little combination. Yeah. Well, you have a great day. To- yeah, thank you call, Thank you for calling, Deborah. Um, so one thing that I want to hit real quick before we take our next break is, um, and our, when our caller mentioned this early, it made me think of it, is colonoscopy. And when should you get a colonoscopy? Because um, I a lot of people don't want to do those, and I completely understand. Um, but there's a lot of situations where it would be needed. So first, for screening colonoscopies, um, now it is blanketed. Everybody across the board, we recommend starting at age 45. So this is new, and this has changed. Um, it used to be 50. 
And then uh, uh, several years ago, they recommended dropping it down to age 45 for African-Americans. But in the past couple of years, they have now said everybody needs to get a colonoscopy at 45. Um, So that is something that you want to talk to your doctor about. You probably want to talk to your insurance about because there's a lot of insurance companies that haven't followed suit just yet. So you want to make sure that your insurance will cover that too. Um, But for most people, we want to make sure that we're getting screening colonoscopy starting at age 45. Now, if you have somebody in your family who has had a history of colon cancer, um, if they were, you know, 60, 70 years old, then you know, when they got diagnosed, it's probably not going to change much. However, if they were in their 40s, if they were in their 50s, and it's a first degree relative, then what we do is we take, we subtract 10 years from whatever age it was they were diagnosed, and that's when you need to start getting screened. So, for example, um, say my mother was diagnosed with colon cancer at age 47, then I'm going to be recommended to start getting colonoscopies at 37 instead. So, but for most people, it's going to be age 45 um, when you need to get it. Um, who else needs to get colonoscopies when you're having all this, uh, When you're if you're having issues? So if you have always been a regular bowel movement person and you go every single day and then all of a sudden they stop and you're starting to have major issues with constipation and anybody I would say 40 and over um, if you're starting to have changes significant changes in your bowels then you want to go probably need to get a colonoscopy Um, if you were 40 and over and you're having blood in your stool or if you're close to 40 I would say and you start having blood in your stool then you probably need to get a colonoscopy majority of time Having blood in your stool is probably going to be related to a hemorrhoid, um, and it's really not going to have many issues. Uh, I mean, it's not really going to have, you know, really find anything on the colonoscopy. Um, But, man, we're starting to see colon cancer happen younger and younger. And so it's something that you want to take seriously. Um, If you see blood in your stool and you're anywhere near the age of 40, I would say you want to get checked out. Um, uh, blood in your stool, change in bowel habits um, would be two of the biggest reasons I would tell people they need to go in and get their colonoscopy a little bit sooner rather than earlier. Um, and when I say change in bowel habits, it's not just constipation. It could also be diarrhea. So um, persistent diarrhea can also be a sign that there could be something else going on in your colon too. So um, there's lots of different changes that can happen to your colon, especially as you get older, that could lead to you having problems with absorption and causing diarrhea or those um, oily, stool, oily stools like our caller mentioned earlier too. So those would all be reasons to go in and get a colonoscopy sooner um, than 45. We will go to Garth. Hey, Garth, good thanks morning, for hanging Josie. on the line. Yes, good morning, Josie. Thank you for taking the call. Um, this is really not related to kids and teens. It's more related to adults my age. But while you've been talking about colonoscopies, I'm 70-ish, and I've had two. And just to tell your listeners that uh, it's a quite a breeze to have it done. It's, don't worry about what you think they might do to you. You just go to sleep, they treat you with respect, you wake up, and you feel good, and it's all over. It's no problem at all. So don't be put off by the thought of a colonoscopy. It's worth doing. The reason I'm calling is uh, I wanted to ask you about hemorrhoids. It's sort of a related topic. Could you give me some view on uh, what you think you should do if you have a hemorrhoid or if you think you have a hemorrhoid? 
Yeah, so the most of the time hemorrhoids are caused, I mean, all the time, they're caused by increased pressure. So uh, constipation is the number one reason people get hemorrhoids. So the biggest thing to do is to um, make sure you keep your bowels soft. Um, that's, again, where I like Miralax. Uh, but if maybe you don't necessarily need... Um, a laxative per se, maybe you just have hard stools, you go every day, but they're just hard, then that may be when you want to do like a stool softener or um, maybe try some of that fiber and drinking more water um, because that is, um, you know, just anything to keep those stools softer is what you need because you want to decrease the pressure there. Uh, now, sometimes it can be pretty painful. Um, and in those situations, uh, Preparation H is actually a good option. Um, they have the preparation H has a steroid in it, and so if you get the right kind, it's the preparation HC, I think is the one that it what it says. Um, but it's got the hydrocortisone in it, and so what you can do, what that does, is it helps just decrease some of the swelling, and that will give you like immediate relief, which is which is nice. Um, some of the other things like witch hazel and things like that are also like cooling, and it'll help take some of the pain out of that. But overall, the the preparation H with the steroid is going to be the one that's really going to help you calm everything down more than anything and then if you're still having problems you know you've tried to keep your stool soft and regular you've tried the preparation h and the steroid cream and you're still having issues um, that's when i would recommend going and seeing either a gi doctor or um, sometimes the surgeons um, and they can actually band the hemorrhoids um, which can be helpful um, and it'll help them prevent from bleeding especially if bleeding is a major issue with you uh, the banding can be really helpful for that and then there's always surgery where they can cut them out. Um, but those that, from what I've been told, I've never had the procedures on myself, but from patients, it can be pretty painful. Um, so I know that's usually just a very last resort. If you don't have to have the full surgery to have them cut out and you can do some of the other supportive stuff like the banding or um, the topical things, I would definitely try that first. Well, thank you. I think I need to see a GP, really, um, because my stools are pretty loose because I have a lot of fibre and I don't have any problems. I don't have any pain going but um, and I don't have any bleeding, but uh, it's certainly a, an issue I've found. It's there. It's not painful unless I... You know, I'm um, wiping myself or something like that. So yeah, and it's probably that, a good idea to get it checked out. Yeah, it's probably yeah. I would definitely go do that. Um, there are some prescription creams that we can call in, but unfortunately, they're usually very expensive. And so that's why I was saying <laughs> yeah. you could always try some of the preparation H just over the counter yeah. first. It's very similar to the to the prescription we would send in. Well, thank you very much. I'm sorry to call you tonight. Oh no, we appreciate it. But thank you for talking to me about it yes yes we thank you for calling we appreciate it um all like hemorrhoids are so common um it is it's crazy how common they are but nobody wants to talk about them so i really appreciate you calling and and letting us talk about it so we'll go next to mary hey mary what's going on Uh, i've asked a question about the colonoscopy um my grandfather died of ruptured colon Mm mm-hmm and um, and cancer runs in my family. But my doctor has told me that I don't need a colonoscopy. I am now 88 years old, and I'm wondering if that's a, a procedure. Yeah, so typically we stop screening colonoscopies at age 75. 
Um, and that's just kind of a consensus between the the GI and the American Cancer Society and the USPF Task Force. Um, and the reason they do 75 is just because of the, you know, what we're trying to catch with a colonoscopy is the little polyps that could potentially lead to cancer. Um, and so the thought process is, is after age 75, over the next 10 years, which would be your next screening, um, the likelihood that we would catch something that would actually you know, slow the cancer risk down is lower. Um, and so that's why they kind of recommend. It's the same thing with mammograms. You know, typically we don't do mammogram, recommend mammograms after age 75. And I say that with like a little caveat because there are, I have a lot of patients that are older than 75 that are in great shape, great health. Um, and so in those situations, you know, we take it on a case-by-case basis, um, you know, when it regards to mammograms and colonoscopy screenings and cancer screenings. But just overall, um, we do typically stop colonoscopy screenings at age 75. So that's probably why they said that to you. Well, um, I also uh, had uh, breast surgery for cancer about two years ago mm-hmm. at yeah. age 86. And so they're now having me do uh, mammograms. Every year or every six months, it depends. Yeah. So you, yeah. So Mary, you would be one of those patients that I was saying that you know, if you're in really good health and healthy, um, then we still still we still do the cancer screenings. But in a lot of our patients over 75, um, that's the reason we say that because a lot of our patients wouldn't necessarily get much benefit because we're not going to be as aggressive about our therapy. But it sounds like you're doing great, and so um, you're one of those patients we would continue that with. But um, thanks for calling, everybody. It's been a great show. Uh, This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.